This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. What's up? It's Mike Fenoya from Comes a Time, letting you know that O'Teal and I are going to be bringing the podcast to Patreon. Uh, each week, we are going to provide members with a bonus episode. And what we talk about is going to be up to you. That's right. Members can send in their questions, stories, topics that you'd like to hear O'Teal and I chat about, and uh, we'll shout you out and take your questions each week. You got to make it a good question, though. If it's What's Your Favorite Dead song, uh, we might skip that one. So do better. We have faith in you. Head to patreon.com slash comesatimepod and get on the bus. Welcome to Comes a Time. I'm O'Teal. And I'm Mike. Today we have uh, no one. It's it's O'Teal and I today. And uh, it's an important one. Yeah, I think we're going to call this episode, Let's Talk About Race. I saw this quote from Martin Luther King. It said, comes a time when silence is betrayal. And it just really hit me hard. And I texted Mike late at night. I was like, we need to do an episode about race and put it on. So that's what we did. Yeah. And uh, we're not uh, scared. We're just going for it. So <laughs> join us on the, the ride. <laughs> yeah. And it's, uh, you know, I say it 10 million times on this episode. It's an honor to have this chat with you and to, you know, be the first to admit that, you know, I don't know much. And, and, and there's a lot of, uh, you know, I, I'd be, I would have to say one of the things I noticed online was, uh, a sign or a slogan that said, I, I understand that, that I don't understand. Uh, however I stand and, uh, I couldn't put it any better. So thank you for, for this. And thank you to all the listeners. And, uh, you can listen to this and many other phenomenal podcasts on the Osiris Network. And you can go to osirispod.com to find those. You can join O'Teal and I on Patreon, where you can send us our questions, your questions, and we'll answer them. And uh, that's at patreon.com slash comes a time pod. And like us, share us, tell your friends, and uh, enjoy this one. And uh, O'Teal, thanks again, bud. Thank you, man. And thank all you fans. Hey, Osiris listeners, we want to tell you about our friends at Sunset Lake CBD who support this show. Sunset Lake CBD is a Vermont hemp farm crafting affordable CBD products designed to help with sleep and stress without breaking the bank. If you haven't tried CBD before, take it from me, it's a game changer. I use Sunset Lake's tincture every night before I go to bed, helping me get solid, restful sleep. And their gummies are great for daytime. Check out their new Good Vibes gummies, which have just a bit of hemp-derived THC to help you relax and unwind. Sunset Lake CBD crafts products with hemp grown on their family farm and ships them directly to customers. They have tinctures, salves, edibles, coffee, smokables, and even pet products. By the way, their CBD chocolate fudge is awesome. 
Check them out today at sunsetlakecbd.com and use coupon code TIME for 20% off all products. Sunset Lake CBD, farmer-owned, Vermont-grown. Welcome to Comes the Time. What's up? <laughs> this is the big one. <laughs> um, Just you and me today. Yeah. I'm glad too. Mm-hmm. Tired of doing this on Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> I got off Facebook altogether. To do and it on I won't Instagram. engage in Twitter, but you know, in Instagram, I've fallen prey to engaging sometimes. <laughs> But, it's uh, hard because, you know, it was like escape the news any way possible when the pandemic hit and when, you know, the protests and everything, it was just no matter where you looked, it was something to be horrified and sad about. And I was like, I got to escape it anywhere I could. And then it's like, oh, you could take things from Twitter and put it on Instagram. And I'm like, ah, all right, I guess I'm just going to see everything. So. <laughs> Isn't it funny when you're trapped inside and you supposedly, you would think you wouldn't be able to see anything is when you see it all, just because mm. of these technology, these devices. Very good point. You know, yeah. and, and that's probably why it's all happening. True. You know? Yeah, very true. And uh, today is basically, uh, you know, we, we talk off air daily about how important the listeners are and how important the, you know, this is a community and this is stuff that we, you know, and we thought maybe today would be a great day to share one of our regular conversations uh, here on the pod, huh? Yeah. Yeah, it's time. In fact, I saw a, a meme hit me like an arrow and it just said, you know, I'm just, I don't know what I was, whether it was, Twitter for my news or Instagram, and it just said, comes a time when silence is betrayal, Martin Luther King. And it was just like an arrow right in my forehead, because it started out with comes a time, time. and I was like, and that's when I texted you at like two in the morning, I was like, we got to do a (laughs) pod on race, man. Yeah. Not about common sense or, you know, how, which is obviously a huge part of it. Right. But like specifically about race, because it's just tearing things apart or shaking it up or whatever. It's doing a lot of something. <laughs> yeah. I woke up to that text and was like, I think I got to call Oteal back. <laughs> I hope you had an okay night. It was a great night. It was actually the best night because it sent me down the path of just like thinking about this like, and, you know, a lot of the reason we wanted to do the podcast in the first place was to try to talk about this stuff. And uh, I don't feel like we've been ignoring it, but you get in the whole podcast thing and then I want it to, and I know you want it to, like have a life of its own. The conversation goes where it goes. I'm not really trying to steer it towards that all the time. No. In fact, I need relief from it sometimes too. Like, you know, yeah, the, the George Wallace podcast was <laughs> just... I was like, damn, I needed that. That was like water in the desert, man. I was just feeling so, you know, just daily, just, ah. 
Yeah. And uh, so, but I'm glad we're doing this because it does need to be talked about. And uh, it's just so in our face every day. And we can sort it out with common sense, but you also have to have education about it because people have been lied to, you know? Yeah. And, and, you know, I've thought a lot about this and, uh, you know, growing up, I didn't have to think about it. And it's something that, you know, I guess really right away is something that I've always, it's something when you don't have to think about something, you don't necessarily even know it's, I mean, you know, you know, it's there, but you don't know the the magnitude and the severity of things. Yeah. And then it's, it takes, you know, people, you know, like teachers or professors in college or friends, music, I'd say for me probably to be like, yeah. wow, these are like Bob Dylan sang some songs about some real people. And at the time I didn't know if Hattie Carroll or Medgar Evers was real. I just, it was a, a song about a, I didn't know if they were tales, but then it's like, oh wow. Yeah. Like you grow up and you're like, that's a real person, you know? And uh, so embracing that it's new. And I mean, I, I think is the most important, you know, step. Yeah, and, for sure. And it's a natural tendency. I mean, it's a, it's a natural thing with just classism, you know? Like we never think of ourselves as being Marie Antoinette, just like let them eat cake, you know? But if it's not really affecting you and your bubble, it, it almost doesn't exist, and like maybe you drive through it or you drive in to go get dope and then leave as quick as you can or what you know, however you yeah. deal with it. Like some people are just adventurous, like Greg and Dwayne Allman just deliberately cross the tracks and they would be at some all black club being protected by I guess Floyd is by you know scenes yeah. like who are the two skinny white guys, you know, at the James Brown concert or whoever <laughs> Otis Ray were. Right. You know? So different people dealt with it differently. It was funny, like Tony Trishka, mm-hmm. you know, my one of my banjo teachers was a red diaper baby, but he was at these uh, core meetings, the Congress of Racial Equality, as a, like, what do you say, like a kid, you know, yeah. that's just part of his thing, you know, it's like, wow, he was raised like a black person. <laughs> you know? I never heard the term red, red diaper baby before. Me and neither. you know what? These are all precursors to episodes that we'll, we'll be releasing uh, soon. We had some really great conversations with some great people. And, but what was yeah. red diaper baby? I, I, again, it's, it was, it's basically like you're a communist, you know, if oh, you're on you're the left, raised by, then you're oh, okay. a communist. If you're for black people and human rights, then you're of a course. communist. If you're <laughs> yeah. for health care, and college tuition and a minimum wage and a weekend, you know, Labor Day we got because of those damn commies. Yeah. We just had Labor Day, right? You know, it's like, so that's, you know, he was one of those, the people influenced by Woody Guthrie that, you know, were like, uh, you know, white people were getting treated the same way when they tried to go on strike. And uh, the strike breakers would just come, just cave their heads in you know they really took it so that we could have you know a a fair work environment you know yeah yeah so he was part of that thing and it overlaps a lot with the black causes you know so yeah these these journeys are amazing and but i also want to say too like we talked about this early like i we just speak for ourselves this is for me to you the fans like i can't speak for black people 
but I definitely can speak to you as a black person. Like I have, I'm 55 years, 56 now. I grew up in Southeast Washington, which is a rough place. And um, I have experienced racism. Uh, I'm a bass player because of a racist. I had a whole TV and movie career that I was supposed to be doing that. And I'd already won an Emmy award by uh, 14 or 15 years old with this TV show that I did in Washington, D.C. called Stuff, which was shown in Maryland, Washington, and Virginia. And the director was a racist. I found out later he was making it such a drag. He was making it like it was live television, and we could go back and re-record. We could just stop and do it over. And he put so much pressure on me. He didn't want me there. And the producer and associate producer were both black women. So he didn't like the whole, he didn't like none of us, right? And he ended up getting fired, but he ruined TV for me. And that's why I'm a bass player. So for people that say, you know, oh, you're a limousine liberal. You have me as a bass player because of a fucking racist. Period. I was 14, man. I didn't want to deal with all that shit, you know? So I... Obviously, can't speak for all black people, but I'm black, man, and 56. I can't speak to you as a black person. I'm sure Mike feels the same way. I only speak for myself. I think that that has something, that's been something that I've tried to live by just because I don't ever want anybody speaking for me. Um, And I really genuinely believe that. I think that I've kind of always had a couple of fundamental beliefs, and one was that no matter you know, every single human deserves the same opportunities and feelings of safety and rights and respect. And it doesn't matter, you know, what sex, what race, it's just human. There's one, you know, that I said it in the the first episode and I'll say it again. I think one of the greatest things I saw was a shirt or a poster that, you know, white was crossed off, black was crossed off and human was circled. And I kind of always felt that that's something that just went without like, yeah, of course, like, of course that's how it should be. And it just seemed like common, common sense and not to say, not to, you know, hearken back to common sense, but I do have to, but yeah, I don't like, I I never, I never really appreciated anybody speaking for, you know, I only speak for me. I can only speak for my experience. I don't speak for any other, anybody, any men, any, you know, white men, any, anything i just you know i don't even like when fish fans or grateful dead fans talk for us all and go it's about this it's about that i'm like not for you it is not for me you know what i mean like i you know and it's just please just i'll speak for me and you know none of us are monolithic i mean there's blacks voting for trump there's blacks that ain't gonna vote at all there's blacks that are you know we're not monolithic and white people are i'm not you know this guy said uh you know you're such an icon of mine and i always respected you and just, you're breaking my heart preaching such division and i'm like man i'm really not trying to tell anybody what to do i'm trying to point out uh a basic i'm trying to shine the light on a situation which is a human rights situation i mean really it comes down to if you strip all the stuff away all the tribalism strip away even race for this moment it's you're either for or against human rights now if you're for human rights that includes all humans yeah 
Now, the reason we're stuck with race is because in this country, they put it in the Constitution that black people are only three-fifths of a human. So that took care of all men are created equal. You know, all men have the right to this and that, right? So so we're stuck. We can't get to the T-shirt till we root that out, we dig it up and root it out, and it dies. And then we can cross all that off. Yeah. And right now, it's like going to rip us apart like it did before with the Civil War, you know? So... I and I'm not also as I don't speak for all black people. I'm not trying to tell anybody what to do, but I think if I point out some things like how a seemingly successful person like me could have experienced racism. Like you've had it so good, you limousine liberal. I'm like you think I ain't been black like all these years I hadn't really? Like come on. So I, I think <sighs> My my idea is to kind of educate people like what you know me. I'm the black guy you do know, right? Yeah. So let me let me tell you what happened to me and what happened to my parents and my family, you know. And then maybe we can just start there. And then I feel once people know some things and they know where to go look to learn more about some things, their own goodness inside and their own intuition, that own that same thing that brings all of us together at these concerts, well, tell, it'll be obvious what to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? It'll be obvious. Yeah. I, I, I think one of the most, uh, the most powerful, I guess it would be like an image or a meme or whatever you want to call it, when everything started to rise up this, you know, year, um, around May, I saw one that said, um, I understand that I don't understand however I stand with you. And I thought that really kind of speaks volumes because it admitting that you don't know is the first step in learning something new. Yeah. And, and, and maybe like helping with change. And I think that, you know, I could speak for myself that there's, you know, like, what can I do? Like, what is there that I can do that, you know, um, I'm an action speak louder than words guy. So I kind of feel that, you know, what is there that can, and listening. And, you know, I, I, I said this to you off, off air too, that like, sometimes I forget that you and I are two people of different race. You're my friend, O'Teal. You're someone who I've told some of my, you know, scariest stuff, you know, uh, that I haven't ever told anybody. And it's just, you're my pal. And I love you. And I just, I'm, I'm honored to be here to talk with you about this. So, Same here, man. Same here. Because I, I do feel like uh, exactly the same, you know. And I don't know everything, you know. But I feel like we were, we were meant to do this. And that's just a confession. You cannot believe in God or not believe in anything mystical or whatever. That's how I believe and where music comes from that same place for me and all the other weird shit that happens to me all comes from that same place. So I believe it. And I feel I was telling my wife this morning, I was like, all this black history that I started studying since I was 26, right when I met Colonel Bruce and all the theology I started studying at 40, like all of it's come together for right now. Like I could even like if I hadn't done both of those things, I wouldn't even be able to do this podcast with you. Not the way what's going to happen today is going to happen because I just wouldn't know 
the thing, I mean, I've heard it from my parents, and but you have to experience some things for yourself, and you have to read them for yourself, and you have to go hunt it down, and especially with theology and any spiritual experiences, you have to experience it for you to believe it. Mm-hmm. And then once you experience it, nobody's going to tell you it didn't happen. Right. And then you meet all these other people that it happened to, and you're like... Colonel Bruce was one of those guys for me, and he helped me with all of it. <laughs> I mean, like politically, well, and, spiritually, and you've helped me with everything. a lot of. He taught me shit about black music that I didn't know, that even my dad didn't know. And my dad knows about all kinds of music, but I turned him on to Howlin' Wolf, and that's because of Colonel Bruce. Yeah. I was so proud that day that I turned my dad on to something backstage at a at a. Almond Brothers concert, and he had never heard Helen Wolf. I have a picture of it. He put the headphones on, and I was just like, <laughs> and "My dad is the fucking man when it comes to music, man. He there ain't there's very little he doesn't know, especially about black music. But he knew who Helen Wolf was. He hadn't heard it. So when I met Colonel, it really that's when I started trying to put it all together, you know. And um, I think it's all has to do with right now. You know, it all has to do with right now and this time. I'm so grateful you and me get to do this. Well, so. I'm very, I feel very lucky to to do this with you. And, uh, you know, there's a handful of people and I've said this on other episodes that I, that have got me through the past five or six months of loneliness and soul searching and, and fear, tears and yeah. laughs and all that. And you've been, uh, been one of them obviously and and i'm just very been that for me too i know and i'm I'm happy to be here with you talking so well we're gonna do it let's hear it we're like doing it right now for all the people watching you know it's the whole wounded healer concept you know the dented cans this is (laughs) the the fullest expression of it because you know what does cornell west always say is justice is what love looks like in public I think that might be an MLK quote, but I always hear him say it. And I love him for that. And so we're, you know, we're all wounded right now and feeling all this stuff and being here for each other right now is so important. So one of the first things I want to talk about is all of this is, it's, I can only use my experience. So when we talk about race, I just want to start with my family my grandmother, my maternal grandmother, and my maternal great-grandmother, and all those people on that side are lighter skinned than my son. And they both have, they all have two black parents, okay? And Nigel has a white parent and a black parent. But yet still, my nana, my great-grandmother, my maternal grandmother, uh, all the brothers and sisters... They all look white. In fact, I think my maternal grandmother, uh, my, my great grandmother, and her one sister, my mom told me this this morning. There was only like two of them that, that, that didn't pass for white. Wow. Really? Because it was just so much easier to get a job, to get, you know, and think of the shit they had to listen to, the racist shit, maybe from their own husband. I don't know. But it didn't work out a couple of times because you may spit out a black kid and then the whole gig is up and so one of them ended up in a mental institution they were like so they ended up marrying guys that were really really dark like my grandfather and you could see in the pictures that eric's putting up on the screen my my maternal grandmother very young 
and the dark black guy next to her is my grandfather, and the lady to his right is my great aunt Eloise, right? Wow, yeah. My dad's family, my paternal grandfather is very light-skinned. And my mom told me this this morning. I didn't even know this till this morning. She said his brother, I guess, was an alcoholic. And nobody could tell whether he was white. or, or Everybody thought he was white. Nobody mm. could tell he was black. And he would always get in fights and all this stuff. So they're very light-skinned. But then my dad's mom, you know, he married a woman who's very dark. So they made conscious decisions to go towards the black community because they were caught in that in-between. So I've grown up in that where everybody in my family um, looks like everybody in the country. (laughs) You know, George Wallace asked me if I was a person of color, right? I had this woman in Alabama. She was checking me out at the grocery store, and she scanned something, and then she looked at me. (laughs) She she scanned something else, and then she looked at me. And I was like, what am I? You know, like I got I, a book hanging? <laughs> and I, well, yeah, I'm like, you know, am I high? And I look high like Craig and Friday, you know? Yeah. Finally, she just goes, what are you? And I was like, what wow. am I? And I'm like, okay, uh, thinking categories. And I just went, black? Yeah. <laughs> like it was a question. Yeah. Like I was asking. I'm here? <laughs> Yeah, male, uh, not extraterrestrial, you know. You're like hungry. Northern, you know, like, because that happens a lot if I talk, you know, where are you from? Mm. But it was just basic, what are you? And I was like, black? And she goes, well, you ain't all black. And I was like, what are your parents? I was like, they're both black. I said, now, my grandparents and the great, when you get up there, they start looking, half of them look white. But, you know, like, even black people are not sure what I am. Wow. I've been living in this in-between, you know, and that's just how it is. It's not uncommon in Latin culture. Like, in Cuban, in Cuba or Brazil, if you're Brazilian, you could be from blonde hair, blue eyed, down to jet black. Same thing. Cuban, it's all, you could be Spanish, you you know. So, it kind of brings up, like, what is race? It's just a creation, you know, but I don't think the people that created it or the race of people that all that created it are all racist. I don't think all white people are racist, but I think the system is racist and that depends off of race, which is also another convenience because if a white slave escapes, they get a fresh set of clothes, they're in the clear, Right. The black slave escapes, no matter how far they get, it's like, hey, <laughs> who's that guy, right? Yeah. So it's a, class, it's a class thing, but it's founded on the race thing. Does that make sense? You know? Yeah, and I, and I think that you and I have discussed in the past, too, about how you know, the, the, there's this giant picture of how it's like rich versus poor in this country quite a bit. And in the world, but in this country and the poor fighting the poor is the the great distraction kind of, you know, and that seems to, yeah. I mean, that's what they always fed the, the poor whites. They were like, well, at least you're better than the slaves, you know? I mean, 
That's a line from a Dylan song too. Only a pawn in their game. He says that. Yeah. Yeah. And they, you know, it's like, well, they made it illegal for you to learn to read and write. Illegal for you to know your own family name, your own language from back in Africa, like against the law. And if, and if a white person taught you, they were going to get it, man. You know, there's punishment for that. It's in the law, you know? So, <laughs> you mm. know, when people say, uh, talk to me about, you know, well, I didn't have any privilege. I was like, you know, I'm not trying to do the whole white privilege thing, but yeah, you did. Because like you pointed out at the top, you were like, I never had to think about it. No, I really you know? didn't. And that's, yeah. uh, that's a great, like, I don't even know if it's a privilege. Big picture in the long run. It is in the short run. But I think a lot of people are bewildered by this whole thing. Like, oh, my God, everything is racist. Like, what are, you, what are we, you know, half of them. Yeah. Like, what do we do? You know, like, this is crazy. And so that's not a privileged position to like all of a sudden find out like your whole fucking world has been a fucking lie, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, well, it's quite a know, rude yeah. awakening. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. From where well, I said, I'm like, man, we've been knowing this shit. Like, you know, <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, come on. So when the only constant is change and you don't have to be the person that you were five, 10 minutes ago, a day ago, a year ago. So there's, realizing that, wow, I don't know everything and that some people's stories are going to seem so foreign because they're not what I experienced. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that it didn't happen. It didn't well, mean now it's not true. Well, now you see it happen on your cell phone yeah. to white people that are allies. The yeah. cost of those allies, you know, just like, yeah. So it's a... It's it's good for, it's good. It's ripping the Band-Aid off. It sucks right yeah. at first. You know, it's going to pull out some hairs with it too. But there's one of the things I wanted to talk about was um, what I have to talk to my son about, right? Like, I we have a couple of kids' books about racism. And... He's trying to wrap his head around it because it still doesn't make any sense to him. And I'm glad it makes no sense to him because he has white family and black family and they're all super cool. And he's like, so why were why did this do, you know, and I'm like, <laughs> I yeah. can't explain to him, you know, geopolitics and vampire capitalism and, you know, <laughs> history, all this, you know. He's not ready for all that. I just go, that's the way it was, man. And and so we were trying to talk about, he goes, well, what race am I? And I was like, you know, and I have to deal with this on when we go to the doctor. Like, what do I put down? I was on the road. They put down white one day, and I saw it on the chart when I got home. I was pissed, you know, and I was like, well, to them, they can't tell that, you know, and that's not a big deal to me because that's been going on in my family since my great, 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 you know. Yeah. So I was like, damn. I was talking to my sisters the other day. I said, I think I'm just going to check both because that's what he is. What are we sure. doing percentages now? You know, or do I follow the old one drop rule? Do you know what the one drop rule is? No. Okay. This is something that might educate a lot of deadheads and fan white people that don't know. In this country, um, 
and it may be still legal in some states, you know, but federal laws changed, but they had a, a law called the one drop rule. So if you had one drop of black blood in your family, if we could trace back an African ancestor, 10 generations, you do not get to be white in America, right? So that's how you see all these people that look white in my family that are legally black. And that's why they married black so their kids wouldn't have to be, they married darker so they, you know, Mm -hmm. like get some brown in there. So at least we, everybody's clear on who you are. Right. Because we couldn't yeah. erase black and white and just have human back then. They're like, let's just push it black and we just have to deal with it. You know? Yeah. yeah. So as Nigel's trying to <laughs> understand all this, you know, it's, it's just blowing my mind because his critical thinking is so clear. But, you know, if I followed the one drop rule, which my family did until my grandparents, right? Now everybody's brown after my grandparents. All the kids are brown. We're lighter skinned and some are darker skinned, you know. But typically, Nigel would be black because he has a black parent, just like Barack Obama's black and Kamala's black. Right. If you're half black, you're black. That's, that's a racist <laughs> notion, yeah. Yeah. really, when you think about it. But that we've used that to our benefit so we could just be clear. You know what I mean? Because there's a lot of psychological damage. There's a lot of mental health rap from this being that light-skinned, looking white in a white society, but being black. I can't even imagine, because Mm. I've been brown my whole life, even with either side being sure, they're like, well, he's not white. (laughs) Yeah. Which means I'm going to get the treatment. So we're clear on that, you know what I mean? Right. So, I mean, it's so crazy to have to, like, nobody would probably even think about having to talk to their kids about something like that. You know what I mean? No, I, yeah, that's, we, we talked about that earlier, you know, where it's just that kind of, uh, yeah, that, that conversation just never, I never had that. I, as a child, I mean, I'm not a parent, I'm not a parent, so I can only go to my experience and be like, you know, did anybody ever, we never once talked about anything and, 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 good bad or indifferent it was just kind of you know not part of the it just wasn't part of the conversation which it's a given it's a given yeah yeah which is great i mean i want my kids to have all the givens (laughs) i guess that's the goal that we have to you know but there's a whole host of things that my dad and my mom told us that most white people probably never like, try to picture yourself telling your kids this stuff. Like, your whole education, they're all lying to you, right? Now, my parents are paying a lot of money for us to go to private school. Like, the right. best schools in the country, Sidwell Friends in Washington, D.C. We were living in southeast Washington, going to nor- school in northwest Washington, directly across town with all the rich kids. Huh. Right? It's where Obama's kids went, I think. Clinton's daughter went there for a while. Jimmy Carter's daughter went there for a while. Like, you know, these are like. Yeah. And then he's going to say, let, let me see that book. What bullshit did they teach you today? <laughs> the one to see my history book, right? <laughs> yeah. So he's like, look, um, first of all, you probably would never think you'd, 
picture yourself telling your kids, hey, the whole Bill of Rights is a complete fraud, right? Mm-hmm. Constitution, you know, is the whole country's against you. That's why I had a weird thing about the American flag because I was like, that's who hates me. You know what I mean? So all the three-fifths of a person and, you know, all men are created equal and with rights to this and that. It's like, he's like, that's all bullshit. It's all fraud, a complete fraud. So don't believe any of it. Well, you know how much stuff goes along with that? Like every July 4th and all the statues. I mean, I live in D.C., there's statues everywhere. That's like how you give directions in DC. It's like you go to that statue, you take a right and you, yeah. Yeah. You know, it's just like, there's so much stuff that goes along with that, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it continued like, you know, up the, people should watch the Nixon tapes. This was the president. He's, they were targeting black people and hippies. They said there were their two main enemies. I posted this on my Instagram, and a guy said I was preaching division. I was like, this guy's admitting that they targeted blacks and hippies so that they could do... I mean, I should read you the quote. Look, listen to what he said. This is some pervasive stuff. His name was John Ehrlichman, right? Okay. And he said... We had two enemies, the anti-war left and black people. You understand what I'm saying? We knew you couldn't make it illegal to be either against the war or black. But by getting the public to associate the hippies with marijuana and the blacks with heroin, and then criminalizing both heavily, we could disrupt those communities. That's talking about across the country, right? (sighs) We could arrest their leaders, raid their homes, break up their meetings, and vilify them night after night on the evening news. Did we know we were lying about the drugs? Of course we did. This is Nixon's legal aid. Did we this know we were lying about the drugs? This is a matter of public record. It was in Harper's Magazine. You know, like... Yeah. So no, this that's... came from the top down. Underneath the president is the CIA, the FBI. Right? Every Now we have Homeland Security, NSA, all this whole structure right targeting black people using the media you admit it openly so now i can't believe i read the newspaper we've been having fake news since the beginning (laughs) you know like that that's new to y'all fake news you know i I, it's sad in a weird way that trump's half right about it but you know no i hear you his fake news is bullshit but you know well, it is it is a real thing, you know, and to have all that. That's systemic. You think that just changed? Like, no. That's why the minimum wage stayed the same. It doesn't matter who was Democrat, Republican, Democrat, Republican. The White House changed, changed, changed. Minimum wage, pfft, no change. Yeah. No change. And the racism, the systemic racism, all that stuff, no change. Politics has always been something, and I've told you know, since you and I have been friends, I've told you my entire life, I never, it was Coke and Pepsi to me. Like, it just all seemed like the most boring game of a conversation. And, you know, friends of mine who worked and lived around the DC area that saw people screaming at each other from both sides of the aisle. And then when the bell rang, they're out drinking and partying together and planning trips for the recess to go on each other's boats and play golf. And it just always seemed like, you know, what do I matter? 
in this, you know, or what do any of us, because if you're not rich or playing that game, you know, and, and it never, and the news and all of it just seemed so like fraudulent and phony to me. And it's clearly, you know, that I mean, it's just, gotten much worse, you know, before Clinton, there was like 50 news companies. And then after he passed the telecommunications act, which deregulated, it got gobbled up. And now there's only six. So, you know, if you think they're not serving the industrial complexes, you know. So, so your experience growing up in D.C. was you were going to school at one... With it, rich white kids and going back home to the ghetto yeah. every night. So every day. How did you get back and forth? Was it a... Bu- did you it took me an hour city? and a half. I had to get up at 5 in the morning, 5.30 in the morning. We took an hour and a half bus ride all the way across town, which remarkably the 32 34 bus line stopped right in front of my house and dropped me off right in front of my school wow. but i always slept past that stop because i couldn't stay awake <laughs> yeah and Getting ended up, up at early. the end and have to come back you know mm-hmm. few stops but uh yeah and before that my mom drove us we lived we were going to school out in McLean, virginia at potomac school and she was dr- i mean the what this one the traffic she went through after working graveyard shifts at DC general hospital. Yeah. Like saints, you know what they went through for us to get an education. And I sure am glad because even though I didn't go to college, I learned critical thinking in school and it enabled me when I got curious about black history and about politics and about theology to be able to, you know, operate as a thinking, a clearly thinking person, you know? Yeah. Uh, and that was a necessity. You know, that was one, one of the other things my parents always told me. was like, look, you're going to have to be at least twice as good as the best guy for you to have the same opportunity because you're black. So whatever it is, you want to play bass? Fine. You better be the baddest motherfucker out there or else you're going to get. You have to, have to leave no doubt in anyone's mind that you're the best guy for the job. Whatever it is. Because you're black. Sorry. You're going to have to overshoot the mark. Well, that's, a, that's actually a good thing, you know, when you apply yourself. Well, you know, yeah. Because you end yeah. up getting better at stuff. There's more heat on you, you know? So that I, I'm not even complaining about, but it's just kind of sad. To, it you know. shouldn't be. It, it, it no, I mean, I want to tell my kid, hey, look, it's just a game. It's just baseball, man. Like, you know, <laughs> not like you got to be battered in the best motherfucker, you know? Like, yeah. And then he's going to sleep like, oh my God, you know, should I be? Yeah. yeah that's yeah. when he gets, did, did you and, did you and Kofi, um, after your folks would discuss these things with you, would you talk with him? Would you, have discussions no, we with wanted him. to be kid i was always so annoyed with my parents you know like all the stuff that people watch on the 13th amendment you know that netflix thing you know we uh-huh. heard all this stuff growing up ad nauseum i used to just be like god all you guys talk about is race you know like i'm going to school with all these white kids they don't know anything so there in our world really didn't almost didn't exist God, you guys, that's all you think about, you know. And now, <laughs> like, every book that they had, I was looking for, they're like, yeah, I got that book. And I was like, man, they were right about everything, you know. It even got to my wife a little bit when she first met my parents. But then when Trump got elected, it was like, 
the curtain got lifted back from the Wizard of Oz. She was like, oh my God. You know, just like everyone else. You see, hey. Yeah. Hey, we're Jen and Jess, hosts of the beauty podcast, Fat Mascara. And we're excited to tell you about Strivectin's new multi-action clear collection, which starts clearing acne blemishes in just one week. It's a three-step acne control system, cleanser, toner, and treatment lotion that's clinically shown to improve the look of acne and post-blemish marks without disrupting the skin's barrier. Visit Strivectin.com to learn more about the new Strivectin multi-action clear collection. Subscribe to emails and you'll get 15% off your first order. That's Strivectin.com. Hey there, Osiris listeners. I wanted to tell you about our friends over at SmartWool. For more than 25 years, SmartWool has been making merino wool socks and apparel designed to keep you comfortable. Because they want to help you play, laugh, and explore in the outdoors with every thread they knit and every step you take. Because they believe that comfort sharpens focus and lets you perform beyond your limits. They're here to help you feel good. Now, it's up to you how far you will go. Take 15% off of your first order at smartwool.com. Smartwool. Go far, feel good. Because it's pervasive, it's systemic, you know? So it's a, I hope I can avoid my son having to deal with this stuff, you know? You know, to put a pin in, in and, and, and take a quick side track here, and as someone who's your friend and someone who we talk about everything, uh, you're doing an unbelievable job. And, you know, as a dad, I mean, you know, because we talk about fathers and all types of stuff quite a bit. And uh, it's pretty amazing just hearing you guys sometimes when I'm on the phone with you and hearing you two go back and forth and chatting and stuff. It's, there's a friendship there. And that's really, oh, uh, that's yeah, neat. So, so pat yourself yeah, on the back a second time because you're being, you know, uh, I think we're... Uh, it was a line from the Truman show, I think. And, uh, he said like we accept the reality with which we're given, you know? And I think that's something that, you know, one of the, maybe the hardest or most important, or maybe both, um, things to do is to maybe realize that your reality that you've been given (laughs) isn't everyone's and it's not necessarily, you know, uh, it hasn't been, uh, contributing to the to the greater good of of human rights and humanity, and and it's time to kind of maybe look uh, elsewhere and say like, what else can I do, and how can I, you know, make well, sure everybody just, feels. We're all just born into it too. Like we didn't choose it. You know, I just woke up black here on Earth <laughs> in 1964, male. Like, yeah, sure. You know, I mean, I just yeah. in capitalism, we didn't choose. Yeah, we didn't choose. Yeah, I just, I've been trying to figure shit out since I got here. You know? would have been cool if we could could have chose what planet to be born on. <laughs> I would much rather be, you know, flying That's a whole the other discussion. I fear that we did. <laughs> okay. It, you know, when I look at it that way, it's like, look, you signed up for this, you know, so see it through. Uh, but that's a whole nother podcast, which we will get to. <laughs> at and, some I, and, point. I, and I know a lot of parents that, and again, I can't speak for them and I won't, but I can, you know, and I'm not a parent, but I know white parents that are having conversations with their kids about the stuff that they're seeing. And it's a, a necessary conversation to have. And it's about, you know, that everybody's equal, right? 
and then kind of seeing where, you know, it goes from there. And it's, and it's that, it's that simple, you know, I'm someone who kind of really appreciates simplicity a lot. And, uh, uh. Y- you know, it's, there's sometimes the, the, that's the common sense thing that kind of, but like Jane Elliott, um, there's a video out on YouTube that in one minute, 47 seconds, she kind of sums, sums it all up. And she's speaking to a group of folks, I think predominantly white. And she said, all the white folks in the room, if you want to be treated the way that black folks are treated in this country, um, stand up and no one stands up. And she says, uh, maybe you, she goes, maybe you didn't understand me. The defense rests. <laughs> yeah, she said, let me say it again. Is if you white folks want to be treated the way that black folks are treated, stand up. And she goes, so no one's standing up. And what that tells me is that, and this is Jane speaking. She goes, what that tells me is that you don't want to be treated the way that black folks are treated, which means, you know, that they're not being treated well. And my next question is how can you like live knowing that, or why are you okay with people other humans being treated that way. And it was like literally in 47 seconds, she kind of sums up the whole thing. And it's like, wow, that's unbelievably powerful. And it it goes, it speaks to one of the other things. My dad used to always tell me, he goes, you can't be going, get into trouble with your white friends because the consequences are going to be different for you than for them. So if things were equal and we both got busted with weed, then yeah. We're both going to have the same consequences, but no. <laughs> and I can't I've gotten, be. A, but I've I can't busted. get sucked into the system because if I get sucked into the system, it's over. Right? Yeah, that's that's. So now yeah. it's like I can't. I got to be where you know. Got to be careful with my white friends. I can't trust the cops because there's good ones, but the bad ones who are racist are always going to get away with it. So, because they're protected by the system. And then there's actual bad guys in my neighborhood. So I just got to avoid everybody. I guess I just got to hermetically seal my fucking self from all of society, you know, or except in, in a church, you know. Yeah. Which that was the other thing he told me. Oh, yeah, not church, because all the Abrahamic religions had slaves. So if you go to church, you're a fucking sucker. Wow. Right? So that, I have, was raised with that. My mom believes in God and just jettisoned organized religion. They both grew up like pre-Vatican II Catholic, you know. Okay. And um, But my dad was like, uh-uh. Why would you adopt a religion of your slave master? You know what I mean? So now where do I go? Right? <laughs> you know, you go to school, you come back home, you go to the music room and practice. <sighs> you go to... You go to your music lessons, you go to art class, dance class, or, you know, like, you just go and you come back. You don't be fucking around out there with nobody, because there's too many ways for you to get in trouble, you know? And if you get caught in the system, that's it for you, man. Like, we ain't got money for big-time lawyers, you know? That's a... That's, think about, you know? No, it, it, uh, and and I'll say it again. <laughs> I'll go back to what I said, and I again, only me talking, but I wonder if other people listen and feel this way that it's like the story you're telling me is something I know that you're not making up and it's your story. And it's something that I couldn't even, yeah. I mean, it's, and I had a charmed life, dude. I mean, we had an actual house. It was a white neighborhood that 
you know, all the white people moved out except for the three old white ladies that lived next to us, the Wildensteiners. They were great. They had this huge cherry tree, and they would just set bags of cherries on the front porch so people wouldn't break into the yard, you know, and just give away all these cherries. You know, it was so good. But it was, a, it was formerly a white neighborhood, and then everybody else moved out, and then uh-huh. it was black. But you could go like a block or two in three directions and be in the straight-up projects. And when my parents finally left, I remember I came home, I think it was from Atlanta, and we were hanging out on the front porch and barbecuing or whatever, and I heard, dr, dr, and I was like, Mom, is that? And she was like, yeah, it's automatic no way. gun weapon. And I was like, you know, this didn't sound like firecrackers. It sounded like something you knew. Yeah. And they moved not long after that. She said they started training MASH units at D.C. General Hospital where she worked because it was like being on the front lines. With someone having like 11 plus bullets in them. So now they're coming to the hood to train mash units. Yeah, so when you Jesus. talk about that, then you got to talk about drugs and guns in every black neighborhood and how the government was complicit in that. And we heard Haldeman Nixon's 80. You can listen to the Nixon tapes and you can read Pro, and you can read about Iran-Contra and you can go see interviews on YouTube with... The black gangsters, Freeway Rick Ross and uh, uh, Pee Wee Kirkland. Oh, yeah. I'll tell you, we had the police paid off. Watch Serpico. We had, we were paying off everybody up the chain to the state Supreme Court. Now, we know this in Iran Contra. It's a fact. This is not a conspiracy theory. People went to jail over this shit. Oliver North went to jail over this shit. Now he's out writing in Christian bookstores. Um, but you have to talk about that. There's a there's a violence going on in the hood. That's if it was in white neighborhoods, it would be an epidemic. It would be shut down. Believe you me, it would be shut down. But when you systematically defund the schools, you defund all services, roads, everything, healthcare, right? You defund all of that shit, generation after generation, and then you allow drugs and guns to just overrun. Eric Garner got killed for selling Lucy cigarettes. He wasn't making million dollars a week or whatever the hell these guys were making. So they could control that. Oh, dude, selling Lucy. We got to shut that down. But somebody's like letting crack and heroin, all this drug, just millions of... Oh, don't see anything going on. Are you kidding me? So don't talk to me about the murder rate in Chicago if you're not going to talk to me about the people that are paid off allowing it to happen while black guys are getting killed by the police for selling Lucy cigarettes. I don't want to fucking hear that shit. Sorry, I said I wouldn't. It's all good, dude. It's all good. I mean... I bet, but you hear this shit since the 70s, law and order. You know, black people, more black people killing black people. Yeah, let's talk about it. Let's talk about that. Why it can't stop? Why can't we get the drugs out and the guns out? You know, it's called corruption, man. You know, go watch the friggin' Godfather. Go watch Deep Cover. Go watch American Movies. Gangster. Go watch, I mean, you could watch TV shows, man. Yeah. Go check out the Pike Commission, the Pike Committee and the Church Committee. That was the House and the Senate committees that investigated the CIA. 
for assassinating foreign leaders and doing shit like Iran Contra, which was much later. But they just, they were, they were so dirty, they had to deal with it. They were like, all right, we got to, you know, because Watergate flushed out, <laughs> you know. A lot of stuff. Yeah, man, yeah. it's a lot of stuff. It's systemic. It's systemic. And it started a long time ago, and they find new ways to do it. Go read The New Jim Crow by Michelle Alexander. Okay, we freed the slaves, but you know what? We can take away their vote, and we can get free labor if we put them in prison, right? So all these people, you know, if things are equal and you don't have privilege, how come all these people, we bust more people than China and Russia, and what is it, 60% of them are black, but, they're, but we're only 13% of the population? I mean, we can go Google my numbers, but the percentage is way too high, and much too high for nonviolent crimes. I got into an argument with this guy, and he was like, hey, man, I don't have any proof. You know, my brother's in prison. He's a heroin addict. I was like, well, why aren't you mad? Why should he be in prison because he's a heroin addict? He, did he mow into a family and just kill somebody driving on heroin? Because right. alcoholics don't go to prison for being alcoholics unless they mow over a family. Right. Like, so why aren't you mad? Why aren't you mad about all the white people getting shot? Why aren't you mad about all the kids getting shot in school? Like, we're just brainwashed by this system to, like, accept these things, and they're not cool. They're not no. cool. And, well, they're definitely but, not cool. You know, we can educate ourselves, and, and once you look at it and you see the pattern, you go, oh, see what we got to do here. Like, but you got to learn first. Um, yeah. And I, yeah. If, if you grow up studying or listening to music and you learn about jazz and you learn about the literature and the time and the Harlem Renaissance and the beatniks, you're going to come across Baldwin. And that's somebody who I, you know, knew about a while back. And then in searching, you know, I guess that's like 55 years ago, him and Buckley had a debate at Cambridge about race. And, uh, I saw a video on YouTube of it and about it and it was held in England and, uh, and it was about race and, and, Baldwin got a standing ovation after he gave his, you know, side of the story. And the look on his face was just like complete and utter like amazement. Like he, I, if you watch the, like that to me it was, it's those little subtle things sometimes where it was like, he looked around like this and yeah. all these people stood up and clapped for him. And it was this, this moment of, I can only imagine how he, how he felt at that moment. And, uh, you know, I see it, it in it, my parents' eyes to this day, you know. Malcolm X used to do that same thing. Brilliant, brilliant man from jail, from jail. But he was not distracted in jail. <clears throat> and they said, hey, you want to learn? And he learned, and then he went and debated people at Harvard. And for my money, kicked their ass. So, you know, I mean, it just shows what you can do when you learn. And we're in a beautiful age to learn, man. It's so easy. Like, go verify what I'm saying. I'm not trying to preach division. I'm trying to shine a light on where the divisions are and try to eradicate them. It's the last thing I want to do. But you, there are sides. You're either for human rights or you're against them. Don't tell really, me I'm preaching division when I'm saying I'm for human rights. Yeah. That's now, pretty if you're much against right. human rights, then we have a division. That ain't my fault. <laughs> what, what can I do about that? We're both free. 
You're free to be in the clan or just be an asshole, and I'm free to be for human rights. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But now, you know, we, we have a conflict because now black people can read, they can vote, they can own a gun. Yeah. Now the cell phones, oh, now it's a game changer. Now it's on, you know? I mean, you know, I've told you before, I think it's good these guys came out of the closet. I think a lot of white people thought this went away. Black people knew. My sister told me a couple of days ago, I said, a civil war is coming, baby. She goes, honey, a civil war never ended. I said, no, it didn't end for us. Yep. But it did end for white people, and it's coming again for white people, and they're freaking out. They feel the fascism coming for them now. We can see it. We can watch that old white man get knocked down and blood come out his ears by these, like, stormtroopers. Now, yeah, now, y'all, we got your attention. Now you're scared. And rightfully so. This fascist bullshit has been going on since the beginning. Now it's like, wow, this is... So I'm just trying to help everybody see how it connects all the way back. You know, and I'm talking about, like, before slavery even, you know? How it connects back. So you can see just how... How much you got to undo the system? Like where you and I talking about, like, like, wow, you know, we won't use a phone from, or your agreements change. You knew the new agreement, but we're still <laughs> right. your terms and conditions of an iPhone system. change every yeah every two seconds. Yeah, but we're still working off a document from the 1700s. And then I, I had the thought, like, why are we stuck with it? Because someone is keeping us from keeping it from changing too much. And it's whoever's benefiting from it. And it's the people yeah. at the top of the system. And they benefited from the beginning, and they're still benefiting from it now. It's not rocket science. Yeah. It's all money, 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 money. money. Yeah. Racism is still about money. <laughs> That's a hard one for, for me to swallow as a black person. Because there's so much race, but I know above that, like above either president, left or right, there's the people that paid for them. That's why well, Bernie and Tulsi were such, we could trust them. They wouldn't take their money. We're like, guess what? I don't owe you nothing. I owe the people who gave me the money. That's the people. Yeah. Right? Yeah, absolutely. And you and I, in, in a conversation that we had, you know, one of our daily conversations, I, I had asked you, like, I wonder what a world without uh, racism <laughs> yes. would look like. Remember? And I and said, what was your Star, Trek. Star Trek. <laughs> yeah. I thought that was an interest. I thought that was, that cracked me up when we were talking Star Trek. Well, the good thing about Star Trek is like, it didn't eliminate all divisions. I mean, the enterprise was a warship, but there was no racism or classism with humans. Mm. Right. Yeah. There was still the Romulans against the Klingons, and the Klingons were just like, fuck everybody, so we had to have a warship because they were going to come get them. You know, but it's just yeah. like, it was cool to see just the humans, like, sorted out, you know, just within their thing. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> It's hilarious. It's so funny to think that that's, you know, that's what it would look like. Let's hope it doesn't take that long. I know, really. Although they just they're talking about warp drive now, so maybe it's maybe everything's speeding all up here at the end, and it's, it'll be here like that. It's unbelievable, and you know what's funny too is that like you know, you know, you were t- mentioning we have Google, we have YouTube, we have all that. 
being able to watch the old uh, interviews with folks from the 60s and seeing the Grateful Dead interviewed at Haight-Ashbury and Garcia saying, we don't want war. We don't want to hurt anybody. We don't want to be hurt. We just want to move the human, move consciousness ahead a step or even a half step. They did too. And, and, and that's just the whole, the whole thing I think about quite a bit is just, you know, you and I discussing race for an hour isn't going to fix it, but it's, are we helping move the ball down the field a little bit? And that's really what I guess is the most important thing is just that, you know, I, I, I want to make sure that, you know, I'm, I'm here for you as a friend. Oh, and dude, I mean that, and I mean that from like a, you know, uh, you've uh, got me through this pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> Our talks, man, dude. Yeah. I, I know mean, my it's... wife sure is glad I got you. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Right. We she's should like, get them. I'm trying to work on my ceramics. Motherfucker. Yeah. My wife gets home from the hospital and she's like, Oh good. Mike's on the phone. He doesn't have to talk to me about, you know, cause that was a, th- that was a real thing was she gets home and I'm like, is everything I'm hearing real or is it all going to end? Like, should, and, and meanwhile, like, I'm, I got, tired, like, dude. I'm putting saran wrap around my, you know, like I'm like, get in the other room. Like I'm rolling garlic balls at her and shit. Like I had no idea what, you know, and, and it was, yeah, it was you and a couple other, my buddy Jay, a couple other folks that were just like, we were able to kind of like, but man, you've had, you and I've had d- days where you call me in the morning and you're like, I'm just not feeling good today. And, and then I, and I know, and I've had ones with you where I'm like, this is a, today's a a tough one for some reason and getting up with that feeling of dread. And it's kind of hard because it's like, if one thing is, seems to be going a little bit better, seems to be going a little bit better, there's a tornado waiting for you or there's a fire or there's a, you know, another story of something. And it's just, I really do think, and I guess it's the hippie or whatever you want to call it, the, the human in me. And I think it's, uh, maybe the way you're brought up sometimes, maybe you can see the other side and say like, this is who I want to, you know, be or, or whatever. But I, I just really want people to feel okay. As simple and yes. stupid as that sounds, I just want, I just really, I, I really want everybody to like, just realize that we're all just sacks of piss and shit and pus, dude. We're, and, and we're, some of us are different colors, but who get, yeah. we're all going to pop and, and be gone. And we're ants. Like anybody that's experienced any sort of transcendence or psychedelic moments is just like, we're, yeah. we're, 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 we're that all of us are that big. That's why I think this conversation is so important because, I mean, look at who they targeted. Anti-war left and black people. Peace, people who were for peace. Let's not say anti-war. Pro-peace hippies. Human rights activists. Hippies, pro-peace yeah. white hippies and black people. So they know who's not, <laughs> who knows it's all bullshit. <laughs> they could, so if that's our community, man. Yeah. You know, if, half of that equation, it's both halves are my communities. It's the you, black community and the hippie community. Yeah, and, and you're the first to say that too. That's something that we've talked about quite a bit. That it's this isn't like, you know, I mean the race part of the conversation is one hundred percent racially driven, but there's you talk a lot about how it's not, you know, it's definitely a socioeconomic thing it's a class thing it's there's poor white people are being and, yeah and it's, it's also and people who think for themselves like hippies 
Because mm-hmm. he'll be like, you know what? Fuck all. I'm going to go do our own thing over here. We're not going to change your thing. We're going to change our thing and make our own bubble here. Mm-hmm. That's some DIY self-sufficient. That's the American spirit right there. That's old West shit. Just like we're going to branch out into something unknown. We don't even know what it is night I, to night. But wonder, we're together in that's a new the thing. paradigm. And that we, you know. I wonder if that's why there's that feeling when we're all together. And I mean, when you're getting off the the exit or you're driving and you're coming up to the venue or a festival, you get this like leap in you where it's, I may have said this on the, apologies to the listeners if I'm repeating myself, but you know, when you're a kid and you're running, but it's like your feet aren't touching the ground (laughs) and you have that pure feeling of enjoyment and and excitement like that to me is what I feel the moment I see or smell <laughs> the lot. You know what I mean? Like when my, you know, like when so I get when that you first. when you smell wooks, you're like, oh. <laughs> no, I have that from, from riding motorcycles because you go out in the farm country and every once in a while you just smell cow shit or something dead. Yeah. And now when I'm not, now I'm not riding anymore and if I have a window down or something and I smell cow shit, I'm like, And it's just this sense of like, uh, we're going to be okay. You know, we're going to be here and you put faith in, in the, the leaders like yourself and Mickey uh, who stands up in front of an entire full soldier field and says this feeling we have here, bring it with you and be kind. And, and it's like, okay, so I am thinking about things in the right, you know, do you know what I mean? Like you look to the person to your left and the person to your right and you don't know them. They're going to go back to wherever they're from and I'm going to go back to wherever I'm from. But there's this like, well, we're there and it's when you do experience those moments that make you feel full of joy, when you see the moments that fill people with the opposite, it hurts. You know what I mean? And it's yeah, like, like, and it's, and, and that's something where uh, I just really, you know, our friend who helps with the podcast, and I told you what he said to me, he said, uh, you know, he goes, I'm, I, this is a bad time now, but I'm, extremely excited to see how beautiful the other side is and that I needed he said it at a moment where I needed to hear it and I was like that's like what we were talking about before and I've said this a lot recently it's like a baby being born you know nine months it gets worse and worse and worse oh right yeah yeah and then right when it's the worst it gets brutal yeah savage yeah there's all kinds of bodily fluids and tearing and blood and shitting yourself and the whole like it just you know Mm. and then after that when the baby's cleaned up and all that you know you have something that has transformed your world so much that it's like clearly worth all that you went through you know? Yeah. Amen, man. And that's what, that's what we need to, that's why we're doing what we're doing. And that's why the time has come, uh, for this and and the podcast silence to stop, you know, and I'm proud. I'm really proud of our community because we've, we've always been that way. And I've, I'm glad that I can even say we now, you know, um, I've always felt a kinship with deadheads since like first grade, you know, Mm. And um, but it's these people that are like society's telling them you're fucked up, you're bad, 
you're no good, right? And there, and we get at the festival together, and we're like, peace and love is cool, right? Like, yeah, like, music <laughs> is cool, right? Yeah, I was like, these drugs are not as bad as there's some... <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, and you just do your own thing. It's Preaching like to the, the choir, dude. Of misfit the... toys, you know? And I mean, yeah. it's like, I love that, that, that spirit of just, like, going and doing your own thing. And I think that's something that, is already being mobilized. I just want to fan the flames. I'm just the guy with the bellows. I'm the black guy you know mm-hmm. with the bellows going, yeah, let's get out there and do it. Let's stay out there. You know, yeah, yeah. Biden, Kamala, go. I'll vote for him. It ain't going to do shit. But I'm going <laughs> to vote for him and we're going to stay in the streets, right? Until we get these police reform, till we get these police unions changed, until we get this corruption done with, and the drugs out of black neighborhoods, and the guns out of black neighborhoods, and the money back into the schools. You know? Mm-hmm. Nobody blinked an eye when we defunded thing after thing, you know? Yeah, man. We talk about defunding the police. Oh, it was pearl clutching. So, you know, we could do it, you know? We could do it, man. It's time, because everybody sees now. Yeah. Everybody sees. We just got to learn more about how it started. History is so important, man. Like, we know from comedy and from music. Like, if you want to be a great musician, you start with who you like, and then you go to their heroes, and then you go to their heroes, and you're pretty much back at the beginning of recorded music or comedy. And then it's just the oral tradition. Yeah. Like old blues tunes where there's every Native American culture. Yeah, but it's, yeah. I'm sure it's the same with comic. Yeah, sure. And, yeah, I mean it's so the telling of a story. You got to learn that history, you know. So yeah. if you want to undo these problems, you got to learn how they started, and it starts like really soon, man. Yeah, and you I know? yeah, and 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 I, I I think again, and I can I, I sound like a, a a broken record, but speaking for myself, it's important to uh, to to realize, and this goes with you know trans culture gay culture anything that's not my existence anything that's not being a woman being you know i like just that empathy thing of it's as simple as just put yourself in someone else's shoes and remember when we were talking about writing the uh the common sense uh our our thoughts on it and i text you and i go (laughs) i go i feel like this is i feel like this is writing the rules to a kindergarten class where it was like, be nice to others, treat others the way you want to be treated. Uh, don't, you know, put yourself in someone else's shoes. Like, don't, it, it's okay to say, I don't know. And I think that one is the, is, is something that's, uh, unfortunately, I think people need to re-remember that it, it's just, it's okay not to know everything and it's okay to yeah. say that. And, uh, that's one of the reasons why I never really liked politicians or anyone of authority that just used the authority to, yeah, a coach, a parent, a, a teacher. It doesn't matter who. I mean, it could have been a bus monitor. It doesn't matter. An older kid. If if you're using your like authority to, you know, keep someone under your thumb, uh, I just don't really have time for you. And that's just something that I never, never understood. So it's okay to say, I don't know. That's why I, back to the beginning of this, it's I also love, okay to question. Yeah, well, that's part, and that, I think that's you know? step one. Uh, yeah, it might be step you don't one. Know, going, like, I don't know. So tell me, right? Like, and then a set, like my parents told me, <laughs> I didn't make it out of kindergarten. They said if a teacher ever tells you to do something, and it doesn't sit right with you, 
you're allowed to ask them why you have to do it. And if the answer they give you, it does not make sense, you don't have to do it. Isn't that a crazy thing to tell your kindergartner? Mm. My son's in kindergarten now, he's five. I have not told him that, by the way. (laughs) Um, (laughs) um, But it happened to me in kindergarten. I'm left-handed. Me too. I wrote with my left hand. And the teacher said, no, you can't write with your left hand. And I was like, oh, well, let me show you how I write with my right hand. So I wrote my name. I already knew how to do all this shit, you know. I wrote my name. I was proud of my little cursive, you know. <laughs> I was like, ta-da. And then I wrote with my right hand. It looks just like it does today. <laughs> it's terrible, right? <laughs> it was just clearly I'm left-handed, right? You know. Right, yeah. I was like, why would I do that when I can already do this, you know? Yeah. And she just insisted. And I refused. I was like, that doesn't make any sense. And she goes, well, fine. You're going to smear it for your whole life. And she got like upset with me. Like I have very few memories of my childhood, but I can remember that. Wow. And I did smear for my whole life with ink. You would get you it know, right here, right? Go, yeah, your all, ink, yeah. You the ink, me too, but I dude. Was like I'm left-handed. Maybe I should be able to write from right to left like the Egyptians did. Yeah, make me a new notebook. Or the Hebrews, <laughs> right? You know? So um, but that started immediately and that I was so glad that they they knew they had to raise me that way because I'm black, I, I might be told to do some bullshit. And they were like, you're going to have to be able to sort through the bullshit because you can't just be doing what someone in authority tells you to do just like, because it'll be, it'll be, go kill him. Be like, hey, you know, mm. why, why do I have to like take this person's life? Like, give me some, you know, give me something, yeah. you know, because that's where it leads to. It leads to fascism, just doing what you're fucking told all the time. You know, like, no, man. Why am I flying all the way over to Vietnam to do what did these guys do to me? You know, (laughs) Muhammad Ali was like, I didn't do anything to me. I'm trying to get the right to vote here. (laughs) You know, like, yeah. yeah. Well, this is the, uh, you know, I'm glad we were able to you know i'm glad you texted me and said yeah let's do this we should uh, we should probably take a break i have more stuff that i want to go through but you know what it's fine because i think you know we pretty much touched on all of it you know it's all all the information is out there you can find it ask somebody if you don't know like a lot of the a lot of the people that the Grateful Dead hung out with are great people to go to, you know. They they were hanging out with everybody from Joan Baez to the Black Panthers, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Like uh, you could start where if you want to send us questions, if you want to send me questions, uh, even if you disagree with me, fine. Mm. Let's talk about it, you know. Like the guy that whose heart I broke when I posted about John Ehrlichman. I'm like, thinks I'm preaching division. I think Ehrlichman was doing a lot more in preaching division. He was causing it deep, deep, you know? Like, so let's talk about it, you know? I, I, want, I welcome the people's questions. I'm uh, really, really, um, you know, I forget who I was talking to. And they said, uh, how long have you known O'Teal? And I said, I think we met in November. And they, they go, right. 
you guys haven't even known each other a whole year yet. And it's like, maybe we knew each other in a past life, but I just want to say, and the reason why I bring that up is just like, you know, I mean, I know you say we touched on race a couple of times in the other episodes, but I hope that other folks are learning as much as I'm learning, uh, regardless of, of race about how music has been kind of like the, the safe, the, 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 the throughput of, of, I mean, I learned from Mickey and Tony and, you know, the folks who, um, Derek and Dr. Lita. And I mean, so many unbelievable people who have talked about just culture and just learning and being, and, and, and I think it harkens back to one of our first episodes or maybe our first episode of just being available to the moment and, and being open, having the channels kind of open and, and admitting you don't know and, and learning. And, and, and that's something that, uh, I go back, I, you know, I enjoy, I I enjoy listening and I enjoy learning and I'm, and I'm honored to, to have this chat with you, dude. And, uh, thanks for your friendship, you know? Thank you, man. Boy, you've got me through maybe the, the, I don't want to say the roughest, but I want to say one of the most difficult, you know, like my child doesn't have cancer, so. Right. No, it could be you worse. You know, there's things on a scale, but like mentally trying to to uh, navigate the horror show um, has been really tough, mostly because of my kids, you know? And so you've been, I, I definitely think we were meant, and I, I can't believe I didn't know you were left-handed also. <laughs> But we've only known each other since November. Yeah, it would have came to a time when uh, <laughs> the time hasn't you know, come yet for you to learn I'm left-handed. <laughs> you know that I'm left-handed, my wife Jess is left-handed, Nigel's left-handed, and our adopted daughter from India is left-handed. Wow, amazing. Now, there's some, there's some high odds against that, bro. That's pretty wild. I don't wild. know what that means or if it means yeah. anything, but I'm just I, like... I learned how to... Pl- I, I got a guitar when I was younger, and... I picked it up right handed and I was like, because that's how the guitar was. And I said, boy, I stink at this. I guess there's just some things I'm not going to be able to do. And then I was carrying it with my left hand in the position of playing. And I'm like, wait a minute, this feels, this feels right. And I put it up and I'm like, Oh, I just play wrong. (laughs) You know, like, and then it was upside down and backwards and whatever. And I, we couldn't afford another one. So I had to just kind of, pretend See, man and- they they told you it was wrong that's brainwashing <laughs> <laughs> and guitar center never had left-handed guitars on sale what the hell is man, that i gotta find a left-handed banjo for my son you gotta you find know, one for I me too dude i put the little we have a little cigar box base and i put it around him the way i play because i play right-handed i only eat and write with my left hand yeah right he he couldn't really get it and i was like oh i guess He's not going to be daddy's little bass player. Did you flip it? But Did then when he lefty? was when he was air guitaring, he went the other way, and I was like, oh, he might be daddy's bass player. And I just turned that thing around, and then he started, and I was like, <laughs> dude, the fact that your five year old son is air guitaring is proof that you're doing a phenomenal job, buddy. <laughs> on rock star that requests reggae and Earth, Wind, and Fire. He wow. like he's always requesting Steel Pulse and Earth, Wind, and Fire, and I just Steel got him Pulse on, too, not on even Marley. <laughs> Oh, wow, dude. You got to get him on some two Tibbert. Awesome, <laughs> yeah. brother. Well, listen, I love you. And, uh, I love you too, man. Onward and upward with uh, everything that we're... And, 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 and I hope, and I have to say this, and I'm going to sound sappy and whatever, but I hope everybody has uh, 
someone to chat with during these hard times like we've had and i've had a couple of but i said my, again my buddy jay and you know i'm connecting with people that i haven't spoken to in a long long time and some of my best friends from childhood are back in my life and i couldn't be happier and that's the thing that's you know like our friend said uh you know can't wait to see how good the other side is i just like you're not alone everybody needs yeah, to realize yeah. this that you know and and again regardless of of political thoughts race sex you know you're not alone like you're absolutely 100 percent not alone when it comes to you know anxiety and all this stuff so just send us a letter or you know like uh, this is a time when everybody needs to uh help each other out as best as they possibly can on all fronts so sure, man. if absolutely. i saw a tr- if i saw someone who voted a way i didn't vote and they were you know, about to hurt themselves or whatever, I would try my best to save their life. I mean, that's just, that's human rights. You know what I mean? Well, it's like what we said earlier. You know what this is? This is, you're on the playground and you see the little guy getting picked on by the bullies. Are you going to do nothing? Are you going to go confront him? Are you going to go get, if they got seven people, will you go get 12 people and go, hey, cut it out? It's just human rights, man. Like, are you are you gonna just let that shit happen? You know, and I, I always say like that's that's the left's version of thoughts and prayers. They love to like, oh, thoughts and prayers. Like at the Republicans, like I'm like y'all do the same shit. It's called a task force. <laughs> you know, like we we need butts in the streets. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and uh, and even if it's just listening or being there for one person at yeah. a time, it's just it could be, be sticking up for someone at your office or, or a grocery you know, store when someone wherever. Not, yeah. yeah, although yeah. I wouldn't, you know, I would. I don't want to get shot over some bullshit, but you know, maybe the office you you might not get shot. <laughs> I wouldn't fuck around at Costco these days with these dudes, especially if you get the last. Especially man. if you get the last of something, yeah, you don't want to. Yeah, man. but we 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 <laughs> O'Teal and I talk quite a bit off air about how important um, you know the community is and the listeners are and all of that, and uh, we wouldn't be doing this if it wasn't you know for you guys so just thank you very much for listening and uh and oteal thanks for thanks for today bro thank you guys i'm sorry when i get upset and scream and rant and i might have been distorting the microphone and nobody likes to hear ranting too long but thank you for giving me the opportunity to just speak freely and honestly because it it does matter like all this stuff matters this is really heavy what's about to happen. I don't think people realize how bad it's going to get. No matter who loses, no matter who loses this election, comes a time to face this shit, man. Doing it, you know, I'm trying to do it in love. And I even want to apologize to some of the people that I went off on, on my uh, Instagram. Cause I told a couple of people like, go fuck yourself, you know, like I, and that I need to be bigger than that, you know? Um, if someone comes at me the wrong way, it doesn't mean I have to come at them back with that, you know. But I'm not Cornell West. I'm not Gandhi. I'm not MLK. I'm still a work in progress. I got a lot more Malcolm, apparently, you know. So. And we're he all, actually was way more civil. He was very civil. 
I got to use, I got to just, I got to be better. So, well, everybody's you know, I, I a work want in progress. People, I want us to talk, you know, mm-hmm. really, because like the book of the Tao says, the first book that Colonel Bruce ever gave me at like 24, it says, What is a good man but a bad man's teacher? And what is a bad man but a good man's job? I'd like to just bail out on this whole shit, you know, but. There's a lot of good people out there that just can't see. They don't know yet. They just don't know yet. And so I, I want to help them get to that place because knowledge is power, you know. And uh, then we can uh, we can change it because once people's minds change, it changes things. This thing could change fast. Either direction, you know, it's going bad right now, but it could change fast for the better. So thanks for letting me uh, try to change your minds, <laughs> you know, or, or help you uh, down the path that you already want to be on. It's been, it's been amazing to get some messages from some listeners that have just been like, you know, this yeah. is exactly what we, you know, I'm just, I'm honored to be a part of, uh, along for the ride, man. So me um, too. again, thanks everybody for listening and, uh, Catch you soon. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.